0: In any church that you go to, there'll be people at different stages of their Christian journey. Uh, There'll be people who have faithfully followed Jesus uh, for pretty much their entire lives. Uh, There'll be people who came to faith later on in life. Uh, I'd probably put myself in that category. Uh, There will be some who have recently come to faith. There'll be some who are returning to the church... After a period of absence there'll be uh, those who who are completely sure of their faith and others who have still got questions uh, maybe are not quite sure uh, where they stand yet and all of that is absolutely fine it's normal and it's healthy and in verses uh, 10 to 13 Paul is reminding Timothy of his journey a journey that Timothy has observed a journey that Timothy has accompanied Paul on Timothy has followed Paul And Paul has deposited this gift of the gospel, the good news of Jesus, in Timothy. And then in verses 14 to 17, Paul switches emphasis from the past to the future. He writes, But as for you, continue, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. So it's like Timothy has been running this race with Paul, uh, following Paul's lead, But now he must uh, continue this race without Paul. Uh, He must continue in his faith. He must keep the faith alive. And whatever stage we're at of our Christian journey, the encouragement that Paul gives Timothy is really helpful to us. So uh, in this passage, there are three key things that Paul gives Timothy to equip him for this task of continuing in the faith. Uh, Paul gives Timothy a direction to travel, an example to follow, and a a handbook to read. A direction to travel, an example to follow, and a handbook to read. So let's look at each of those things. Firstly, a direction to travel. Paul makes a clear distinction between the way of the world and the way or the direction that Timothy is to take. Uh, So you may remember last week uh, we, we read these words. Paul wrote, but mark this. And then in verse 14, Paul begins, but as for you, but as for you, Paul is saying, that's how the world lives, that's how the world conducts itself, but as for you, you're going to be different, you're going to continue in what you have learned, Uh, you are going to travel in the opposite direction. As Christians, we are called to go against the flow. Herbert was travelling down the motorway when he received a call from his wife and she sounded very uh, anxious and worried and she said, Herbert, uh, be careful. I've just heard on the, new, uh, on the uh, radio there's, there's somebody travelling the wrong way down the motorway. And Herbert said, it's not just one person, there's hundreds of them. Sometimes we might feel like a bit of a Herbert travelling the wrong way down the motorway. Uh, but that is part and parcel of the Christian life and when uh, Paul tells us to have uh, nothing to do with the kinds of people uh, that he lists at the beginning of the chapter he's telling us uh, not to throw our lot in with them not to be uh, swayed or influenced by them not to live as they live uh, because to avoid having anything to do with such people well we'd Uh, we'd have to go and live in a cave in the desert or something like that. I mean, some Christian communities historically have done that, uh, most notably the uh, Desert Fathers in the 3rd and the 4th centuries. Uh, But that is not the way forward. In fact, the people that Paul describes are the very people that Jesus spent most of his time with. And Paul himself took the gospel to such people. God doesn't ask us to cut ourselves off from the world He asks us to be a witness to the world. The church, that's you and me, we're meant to be like a massive signpost pointing people towards Jesus. And to do that, we have to live in the world. We have to mix it up uh, with people who may think very differently to us. But we can live alongside people without adopting their attitudes or their perspective or their way of life. In other words, we can live in the world without being of the world. But it's this distinctiveness, it's this difference that leads to persecution. No one wants to be reminded that they are in rebellion against God. And that is exactly what the Christian witness does. The, the church, just by being the church, confronts false worldviews. It challenges the notion that we can get by without God and everything's going to be okay. It stirs up thoughts and doubts that people would rather not have. It unsettles and it disturbs. That is why the church has always faced persecution. As Paul says, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So as Christians, our direction of travel is to be uh, opposite to that of the world. Uh, And that can get us into trouble to varying degrees depending on what part of the world we actually live in. There's no getting away from that. As the the 20th century writer G.K. Chesterton put it, Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. Next, Paul gives Timothy an example to follow. Uh, Paul spent many years teaching, instructing, and training Timothy. Uh, But there can be no doubt that Paul practiced what he preached. He set Timothy a good example Uh, Paul is able to say these words to Timothy he says you however know all about my teaching my way of life my purpose faith patience love endurance persecutions, sufferings what kind of things happened to me in Antioch Iconium and Lystra the persecutions I endured yet the Lord rescued me from them all This is no idle boast. This is a statement of fact. And Paul mentions the Galatian cities of Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. And and Timothy was, in fact, uh, a citizen of Lystra. Uh, So it's very likely that he witnessed Paul being dragged out of that city and stoned. That's an event that we read about in the book of Acts. Timothy uh, was an eyewitness to the steadfastness, to the robustness of Paul's faith. And perhaps most powerful of all, Paul was able to say about his persecutions, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. I mean, what an encouragement this must have been to Timothy. Here he was uh, building the church at a time of fierce persecution, and Paul is reminding Timothy of God's faithfulness, of God's ability to bring us through even the bleakest of circumstances. And for us, seeing how others have been brought through uh, all kinds of trials and difficulties, will strengthen us as and when uh, we face our own. We all need the encouragement of those who have gone before us. We all need an example to follow. Of course, the ultimate example is Jesus himself. Ephesians 5.1 says, Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children. Well, God's example can be clearly seen in the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. If we want to know what God is like, we look to Jesus. If we want to follow God's example, we follow Jesus. But it's also helpful, I think, to have an example to follow from somebody who isn't Jesus. I mean, if you're anything like me, you look at Jesus and you think, well, how can I ever live up to that? How can I be like that? But the example of other Christians is tremendously encouraging because it shows us that it can be done. It shows us uh, that the Christian life can be lived with integrity. As Christians, uh, we won't be perfect. But when God is uh, working in and through a person's life, it's evident. There's no mistake in it. And uh, somehow uh, God becomes more real to us through that person. And actually, we're all called to set an example uh, to others. Uh, As I said, we don't need to be perfect to set a good example. Paul wasn't perfect but he set Timothy a really good example. Our imperfections reveal our humanity. Uh, they don't signal uh, a complete failure to lead a Christian life. And sometimes we're aware that we're setting an example and other times we're not. Uh, the, the other week, uh, a member of this congregation rang me up uh, at about the time uh, when Tissa and I were starting the bedtime routine with the children. I had a question, so I, I answered the question... And then I, uh, I, I, well, we got back to what was or can be uh, quite a challenging routine. And on this particular evening, there were definitely a few hiccups, nothing uh, too dramatic, but we had some things to, to deal with. And, um, and we worked through it. And then I sat down to read Caleb's story. And for some reason, I looked at my phone and uh, I realised that uh, I hadn't hung up. And the call had been running for seven minutes And my first thought was, okay, so there's now a member of this congregation with seven minutes of Team Lacey's rather chaotic bedtime routine recorded on their phone. And I started trying to think back over the last seven minutes, and uh, believe me, a lot can happen in our house in seven minutes. And I'm thinking, hmm, uh, what exactly do they have recorded on their phone? I knew it wouldn't be anything too terrible, but uh, it, it got me thinking. It was a little bit unsettling. And uh, when I spoke uh, to this person, I said, look, I'm sorry that you've got our crazy routine recorded on your phone. And they said, that's okay, don't worry, it just shows that you're human. And it made me think, if we're going to set a good example for one another, we really need to get to know each other. It's no good having our public persona and our private persona. Uh, We've got to be real, we've got to be honest, we've got to be authentic, and we've got to take the time to get to know each other. And that's why next year uh, we'll be developing uh, some more home groups. Paul's example to Timothy was so powerful because Timothy really knew Paul. He'd travelled with him for maybe 15 years. He'd seen Paul tired and hungry and up against it in ways that we couldn't even imagine, That's why Paul is able to write to Timothy uh, these words. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. You know those from whom you learned it. About nine years ago, I started working for a large church in central London and my boss was a man called Paul Cowley and he set me a brilliant example um, in fact, humanly speaking, he probably had more to do with me getting ordained than anyone else. Uh, but one of the reasons he was so influential is that we spent so much time together. I mean, we went on mission trips to the USA, to Peru, to Nigeria, Sierra Leone and Liberia together. Uh, we went climbing in the Alps Uh, we did the three peaks challenge together which is where you you climb the highest mountain in scotland england and wales in under 24 hours paul was in his 50s when we did that i got to see him in such a wide variety of contexts and situations that i can really say that i know him i know him paul wasn't perfect far from it or isn't perfect Uh, But I got to know a man who has been deeply changed by the power of Jesus and who continues to allow Jesus to challenge and change him. And you know what? I want us to have those sort of relationships within this church where we really know each other and encourage each other to grow in our faith. uh, Encourage each other to to keep the faith alive as Paul uh, was doing with Timothy. And if you're not particularly outgoing or uh, you find it difficult to trust people or to make friends, then don't worry, I'm not talking about enforced friendship. Uh, You don't have to spend all your free time with everybody from the church. Uh, There's no pressure. I'm simply saying that we want to cultivate the kind of relationships uh, where uh, people can be encouraged by the example of others and people can be an encouragement by their example. And as Christians, that's what we should be aiming for. We should be aiming to set a good example for others and we should be spending time with others uh, that we can, we, whose example we can follow, building each other up. Uh, so finally, Paul gives Timothy a handbook to read. It is, of course, reductionist to describe the Bible as a handbook uh, but, because it's so much more than that. But hear me out. But, because Paul writes, from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. So the Bible could be described as a handbook for salvation. Uh, The other week we talked about what it means to be saved. And the Bible tells us everything that we need to know to be saved, to be brought back into a right relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Dying to our old sinful life and rising to new life with him. So often, people mistake the Bible for something that it's not, and so they approach the Bible with all the wrong questions. For example, uh, the Bible is not a scientific textbook. You wouldn't go to the Bible with questions about the movement of the planets in our solar system. God has given us, human beings, the capacity, the ability to discover these things for ourselves. The Bible answers questions that can only be answered by revelation in other words questions that human beings would never be able to answer without God giving us the answer we would not have worked out how to be saved from sin and death this is something that God had to make possible and reveal to us through his son Jesus Christ and Timothy has known the scriptures from a very young age. First 15, Paul says, from infancy. And it's likely that Timothy heard the, 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 the scriptures, the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, uh, read aloud in a synagogue in Lystra. Because in the first century, books were horrendously expensive. Only very wealthy people would own books. Uh, you know, we're so lucky to own our own copy of the Bible. So lucky. So blessed. I wonder whether that is something... Uh, that sometimes we take for granted it's such a phenomenal book and Paul uh, tells us that it's God breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness uh, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work God breathed the Bible really is the word of God it's God breathed but it's not God dictated. God didn't dictate the Bible uh, like an like a executive dictating a letter to his PA. God inspired the authors and worked through them so that we might know all that is essential for our salvation. What a privilege to be able to read God's word. And what an incentive to read it, uh, knowing that we'll be thoroughly equipped for every good work, thoroughly equipped to continue in the faith. So whatever stage that we're at in our Christian lives, uh, we don't need to feel lost. We don't have to wander aimlessly through life, wondering what it's all about. Because we too have a direction to follow, uh, which will invariably mean going against the flow. Uh, We have an example, uh, sorry, a direction to travel, and we have an example to follow in Jesus, in all of the Christians that have gone before us and in the godly people that we now know. And we have a handbook to read, the Bible, the word of God, which gives us all that we need uh, for our salvation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much uh, that you are and always have been at work in this world that you have created. You are at work in and through people. You've been in at, work, in at, work, in at work in and through people throughout creation, rather throughout history. And you continue to be so today. And we pray that we can not only set an example, uh, but follow the example of others that have gone before us. We pray, Father, that we won't be afraid to go against the flow, to go in a different direction to the one that the world is going in. Uh, We pray, Father, that we'll recognise what a privilege, what a joy it is to read your word and to be encouraged and built up and strengthened by it. We pray, Father, uh, that you will speak into our hearts this morning. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.